Welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. Today, we are honored to have Ryan Grimm. Ryan Grimm is an American author and journalist. Grimm was Washington. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. DC Bureau Chief of Huff for Huffington Post and is now the Washington DC Bureau Chief of The Intercept. He's also a political commentator for Breaking Points and appears frequently on The Majority Report with Sam Cedar. Rand's newest book is The Squad, AOC, and the Hope of a Political revolution. Good afternoon, El Senor Ryan Grimm. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm good. It's lovely to see you. Look, it's great seeing you, but let me, let me just start it this way. Before we get into your book, I want to say that I've been yearning to see people who get onto our national press, the mainstream media on, let's say, the MSNBC, ABC, CBS, to go out there and really give the position without fear. And mm-hmm. today, that's what I saw from you when you confronted Ted Cruz. <laughs> I can't tell you how ecstatic I was when I saw that clip, because rarely do you find folks, especially on the issue of Israel and other issues of consequence, do they get challenged? First of all, you were very prepared, weren't you? Yeah, yes. Well, um, I, I, so I host a podcast called Deconstructed that was started by Mehdi Hassan. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he's, he's a friend, a uh, former colleague. He, just, he wrote a book uh, maybe a year ago um, about, inter- about his interviewing style. You know, he's right. just an absolute master at interviewing. And one of the depressing takeaways from it was you have to do a lot of work to prepare. I thought there would be a couple tricks. <laughs> like, right. If I could just learn these tricks, then, then I've got them. Uh, but no, turns out, uh, that his his real key is research preparation, anticipating responses, and being ready uh, with facts that you can push back on, uh, so that you you don't allow just endless uh, evasion and talking points. And you know that was obvious because I, I tell you what when it's amazing because as I watched you as he started to bring the the story about the river to the sea mm-hmm. as as he said that. I sat down watching the interview and I said, I hope Ryan is going to uh, note that that is a part of the Likud platform. Mm -hmm. And bingo, you interrupted him right there. You didn't give him a chance to bloviate. And immediately you you took command of the interview then. And I think he did. I think he didn't know that. Was that your... He didn't Impression? know. He didn't know. How, how, which is so wild. He's a, he's a smart guy. He went to good schools. He reads the paper. He's got aides who brief him. Like, how do you not know that? Um, when you live in a bubble, Ryan, mm-hmm. you know, um, when you live in a bubble, everything that you get is whatever the Heritage Foundation feeds to you, whatever the Cato Institute feeds to you. You know nothing else. Guys mm-hmm. like you, you go out there and you 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 kind of read everything. I remember the last book that you wrote. We did an interview in I think 2019, and mm-hmm. uh, and and then it it was obvious that the kind of work that progressives like yourself 
good journalists do is to make sure that they're well informed on the issues that they cover. And that showed right there. But I tell you something even more profound. The comeback after you, you asked them, you turned this. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This question right on. Tell us about that. You turned the question sure. on him. Well, right. So he says, uh, from the river to the sea, and he says, Hamas. Uh, you know, I said, well, wh- why is why is one genocidal if it's said by one side but not on the other? And he says, well, because Hamas, you know, is genocidal. I said, well, that's just restating the the point. What like what's your like? How do you explain the discrepancy? And then you you saw him pause um, and stop and okay, like what am I? How do I explain this like apparent contradiction? And what he did is he went into how you know the morning before he had seen. The, the video that the mm-hmm. that the IDF has been showing to people, forty seven minute video of absolutely horrifying um, atrocities, and you know after he after he told that, he, I said, you know, we begin we we have all condemned that they, you know, horror, absolutely horrifying stuff, uh, but let's get on a moral let's get on the same moral plane here, and then as you, as you saw, read him read him a list of you know public statements made by. You know, Israeli government officials, uh, some of some of which have been condemned by other by elements of the Israeli government themselves, like right. floating floating the nuking of Gaza, for instance. Like, I said, will you join us in condemning these statements? And he could say, you know, those are uh, those are bad apples. Those are not not representative. Those are taken out of context. And instead, he said, I condemn nothing. Uh, and at that point, you're like, okay, well, I guess we have, I guess we've arrived at the end. Like this is this is where we all get off. Even coming from Ted Cruz, that was shocking to me. I mean, when he said, "I condemn nothing," that almost that took the morality out of it, right? Because that says mm-hmm. there's nothing that you can there do. There is nothing that that I that I will condemn. And also, what it does is it takes away the ability for him to see the humanity on the other side, which yeah. I think is, I think, which I think it's a, a problem that we have here. You know, I'm from um, Central America, Panama. And I remember when Bush number one came in and bombed uh, Torrio, the part of Panama where Noriega was. I remember being over here, my father running around in his bedroom with missiles flying. And, uh, and, the only thing I heard over here is collateral damage. There was nothing mm-hmm. about what was at the other end of those bombs. And it, mm-hmm. that is, that is why th- what's occurring right now. I feel the pain that the Israelis feel, but I also feel the pain that the Palestinians are feeling with all their destruction, mm-hmm. infrastructure, and crack skulls, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's, a it's it's controversial in the U.S. Uh, to say that Palestinian lives are the same as American lives, or as mm-hmm. the same as Puerto Rican lives, or the same as any other lives. I think 
you get that Pirelli Jayapal was getting, you know, dunked on for using the word balance, that we need to be balanced. Right. And how we talk about this, like that's, a, that's genuinely controversial to suggest. It, it is sad. Well, now that you brought up uh, Pramila Jayapal and others, I think it's a good point for us to kind of segue into your book. You wrote another book. Tell us a little bit about that book and what got you. I mean, when did you start that book? I imagine you, you because it, it seems like you have quite a bit of history in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and it's it's kind of a sequel to the last one um, mm-hmm. that, that we talked about. That one ran from basically the 1980s up until 2018. And, and right. it told a very satisfying story of underdogs pushing back against the corporate establishment wing of the party and, you know, having some real breakthrough success first with the the Bernie Sanders, first Bernie Sanders campaign. And then with the squad getting elected to Congress and it bookends with uh, AOC justice Democrats and sunrise occupying Nancy Pelosi's office. So it's like Mm -hmm. finishes, but also it's unfinished. Like what, okay, what happens next? Like where, where does this go from here? So this book kind of picks up with the first Bernie Sanders campaign because that's really what where the energy mm-hmm. that that grew into the squad originated, but also where the energy to uh, kind of cynically undermine that that movement came from. Hillary Clinton famously saying, and I go back over this in the book in that campaign, saying, uh, you know, Bernie is a one issue candidate. All he cares about is the economy. And and, he, and she says, well, you know, breaking up the big banks won't end racism. As I if remember that. that. Yeah. yeah, as if that's... And, and it, it kind of stops you in your track. Because on the one hand, you're like, well, nothing... No, no policy proposal is going to end racism. Right. Like, period. Like, ever. But the banks have been a part of, you know, embedding systemic racism into our, mm-hmm. <laughs> into our fabric of our society. Like, in, in fact, we, to, some, yeah. to, to some people could, would actually say that it's a necessary factor. I mean, I, mm-hmm. that's another it's story. Not sufficient. But, yeah. It's not sufficient, but yeah, it's, it yeah. would help. Yes, exactly. Continue, please. No. And then, so it, it, the book then follows the squad as they arrive in Congress with people power and with idealism into an institution that is, you know, built and designed to like crush those things. And it's, mm-hmm. it's like, how does, how does, how do those two currents, you know, crashing into each other, um, affect each other? You know, I, I tell you something that I, that, that I've been thinking because some on the progressive end for some time, uh, now that sort of that AOC is pretty seasoned, I've given her some, some problems. And what I've been trying to say is she's, she's a matured, She's a, a very matured uh, squad member now who knows when to stop and when to move. And I've, in my opinion, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I, I, I've, I've watched both her and the others actually grow into learning how to keep their progressive values and at the same time understand that they're working with a bigger body. Yes. And so... And what I would say is that the book doesn't really isn't going to answer any questions that people have about like, it's not going to provide the answer of, Mm -hmm. yes, they're sellouts. No, they're not sellouts. Or, you know, this was right. This was wrong. What it it does is it tells the story in a way that I think people who are diehard uh, supporters of them will find it interesting and fair. And I think people who are, you know, dead end detractors of them, if they actually bother to read it, would also find it fair. And, and would come away from it with uh, a better understanding 
of, of what happened, why it happened, why people made the decisions they did, and then can still conclude if they want at the end that that was, you know, this was the wrong decision on the, at this time, they should have done this. But it's good to know everything that happened and everything that was going into it. And not only that, I like the way that you said that you would, they would, they would look, it turns out that they're nothing more than people trying to make the best choice that they thought of at that time, maybe sometimes a bit wrong, maybe sometimes a bit right. And I think that as, as an author describing who they are, I don't think there, there's a bit, there's a better way to do that. Now, where do you think uh, we go from here? Right now we have an institution or I should say an organization in APAC attempting to pretty much destroy what's left. Well, not what's left. The, the, the squad have actually been building to pretty right. much destroy the building of the, 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 the expansion of the squad, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yes. Th this is a moment where the question is like, can the band get back together? Like, can, ev can everybody rally uh, for, for this existential threat? Like APAC has been very clear that let, let's say you count eight members mm -hmm. um, of, of the squad, uh, at, at least like five of them are going to have serious challenges in which yes. many, many of them are maybe even going in as underdogs. Mm -hmm. uh, they can, they can absolutely win. Um, they could, they can even expand the size of the squad. Mm -hmm. um, and, and whether they, whether they shrink or, or grow this time, this time, I think really shapes maybe for an entire generation, like what, what, pro what progressives believe is possible when it comes to electoral politics and, and politics inside the house. Cause if, APAC succeeds in decimating the, squ the squad, which is only eight members, but represents the hopes of like tens of millions of, of people. Young people, yeah. That, yeah, that's a, that's a signal to them that uh, either there's no place for you in this party or you're going to have to work an awful lot harder for it against an awful lot of money. You know, it's interesting that you said that because uh, on my, if you listen to my show today, I, I actually mentioned of the why it is so important for them to win this time around and beat big money. A hundred million dollars is what we're talking about. As on uh, Howard Schwartz, uh, Justice Show earlier today in New York, and that's the same thing we spoke about, that the squad has, this, that the, the progressives have to coalesce around these guys right now to overcome the, um, that amount. Now, who would you consider underdogs right now in, this, in, in the group? It's, you know, I think that Cori Bush is, mm -hmm. is in a that's, tough race. She's that's gonna, what, she's, yes. She's a freshman member of Congress. Yes. Um, she's going to, you know, she, she's not from a rich background. She, right. have, you know, she's going to have to rely on grassroots supporters mm -hmm. and, and her opponent, this, this guy, Wesley Bell is Polished. somewhat, yeah, somewhat ally of hers in the past. You know, there's nobody's really an ally when you're, coming up together in city mm -hmm. politics. Um, but he's a progressive, had, mm -hmm. you know, had the backing of the Soros kind of, uh, you know, criminal justice reform element to become a prosecutor there. He was going to run for Senate, but uh, clearly it was made. He, he, he saw that there was going to be a lot of support mm -hmm. uh, if, if he would challenge Cory Bush. So, yeah, he's polished. He's, and if you're a progressive, um, you, there's a lot of progressive. Like, yeah, he's good. He's, he says all the right things. Mm -hmm. But he's gonna now he's gonna have to explain why he's running against her, and he's gonna have to explain that it's about Israel Palestine. He's already said that he felt like he's already been very critical of her on you know for calling for a ceasefire and 
um, you know, uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Um, so I think she's vulnerable. I think, you know, Summer Lee only won by a couple points yeah. They, yeah. and they, they spent maybe 3 million against her. Maybe this time they'll drop 10 mm-hmm. because they've, they've dropped, they've dropped seven in a race before against Don yeah. Edwards. They put yeah. seven. Uh, I think Ilhan Omar, you know, she, she took her race for granted last time and mm-hmm. only won by like four points. I don't think she will so, now. <laughs> she absolutely will not get caught sleeping again this time. Yeah. Uh, and, and there are currently, it looks like at least two opponents, which makes it tougher to knock her off. Mm-hmm. But you know, if, if she only won with 52% of the vote last time, she's got to, she has to run like she's behind. Uh, Jamal Bowman, you know, just today picked up, um, yes. a, po- a popular Latimer. Uh, kind of, yeah. Yeah. George Latimer is a, what a county, you know, county commissioner, like a pop, yeah. you know, pop county executive or something like that in the, in the mm-hmm. North of North of New York city. Um, and he just returned from a trip to Israel, uh, to announce his, his run. No, I, I think that's like, that's, a, I think that's a chain, sort of a chain though, because I think if, if an ad is done with the right kind of twist in it, it would seem like, are you running for your district or are you running for a foreign government? I think it, I, I, I think there's a little something there that they could pull off, but, but I don't some know. Some of that, some of that'll depend on what the New York is still going to redraw the lines yeah um and you know so they'll if you're a betting person like are they going to help jamal or are they going to screw jamal yeah um yeah and so in illinois when they redrew the lines and i write about this in the book uh, marie newman um was one of the most passionate supporters of palestinian rights um mm-hmm. in congress she represented um uh the the, the largest concentration of Palest- palestinian americans maybe in the country Mm-hmm. Um, in, in this, in, in Illinois, uh, when they redrew the lines because Palestinian Americans or Arab Americans are not considered to be a kind of ethnic minority group, right. like they're considered, they're considered white. They split them right through. Yeah. They split them in five different districts. Wow. Oh yeah. Cast, cast them to the wind. Yeah. Um, because she had been such an outspoken, um, uh, critic of APAC and, and, the, right. and the Netanyahu government while she was in, in Congress are like, we cannot allow this to happen again. Um, and they, so they, and they took her out, um, took, uh, and, you know, took Andy Levin out. who was a, a synagogue president, mm-hmm. uh, and a liberal Zionist who, you know, proud Zionist, but heavily critical of the Israeli government and would always defend or would often defend Rashida Tlaib or Ilhan Omar when they were getting mm-hmm. hit by APAC. And APAC said out loud, like, we have to take Andy Levin out because he creates space for Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar. And they just they redistricted him and put him in a in a contest with a, another Democrat who then they spent millions backing and, and knocked him out. So Jamal will probably face a tough um, redistricting well, I... challenge as well. But we're, but on the other hand, it's New York. Like, and, and yes, people say. That well, there's a, a a lot of Jewish voters in his district, but not all Jewish voters are supportive of the what is, exactly. the Israeli government right. is doing. And he won, he won a lot of Jewish precincts mm-hmm. in 2020 when he first ran. And what what the war and its aftermath look like six months from now um, may make Latimer's position look uh, maniacal. I so agree. So, yeah, I so agree. Well, look, Ryan, I, I, I took a lot of your time already. I know you've been all over California doing your thing. 
Uh, normally, I ask this question. What would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't? Um, I don't know. I think you actually really covered it. Um, yeah. Well, no, that's yeah. I want you guys to go out there and get the book. You know, his first book, bestseller. Let's go get this one. The Squad, AOC, and the Hope of a Political Revolution. Ryan Grimm, uh, author and journalist, and uh, Bureau Chief, thank you so kindly for having been on Politics on Right once again. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.